Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. All right, guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Your host, David Dodge. Today, I have a really special guest. Aaron West is in one of my masterminds that I attend, and I've had the pleasure of meeting Aaron several times now. And Aaron's out of South, Southern California, right? No, Northern California. Northern California. I knew it was California, but he's out of Northern California. This guy is a beast. Multiple Ironmans, four-time finisher of the Ironman. He's done 20 half marathons, uh, father to two boys, and married. He's an agent in his local market. He does wholesaling. He does buy and hold. He does some fix and flip. And then, of course, retail brokerage. I mean, I'm sure I missed like seven things there, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no. It's, uh, it's a good life. It's a good life. Aaron, you are crushing it. I appreciate your time and I am grateful to have you on the show. I know that you are going to just spit some, some gold nuggets here at our audience. Um, so I was looking on your website, The West Experience, and then PMZ Real Estate. So you do do a lot of uh, retail brokerage, it looks like as well, too. That's primarily what I do, actually, is retail okay. brokerage. So sure. I have a team of six agents. Um, and then myself and then multiple admin staff that we have. So we did about 165 retail transactions this year. Holy cow. Um, our goal is 225 this year. We're about 2% behind that. So we're just a couple of deals behind that, but it's early in the year. So we're super optimistic with that. And then I'll usually do anywhere between 10 and 25 flips a year, um, a just ton. depending on, on how that, that comes through. And then little bit of wholesaling. Mostly I'm in the fix and flip world. If I find the deal and it's the right deal, then I'll, I'll take it and take advantage of it. Do you have any rentals? Yeah, I've got 27 doors now, um, rental wise, oh, yeah, all, all in California. So it's, uh, it's That's crazy. You know, expensive real estate. It is, but there's, you know, and I'm sure your, your, your people know that, that are on the show, but there's two kinds of investing, right? There's mm -hmm. investing for cash flow, and then there's investing for appreciation. And so everything that I've done has basically been investing for appreciation because I want to build my net worth, and then I can turn that to cash flow. So I know guys that have a hundred doors, but they don't necessarily have the net worth that goes with saying you have a hundred doors because they're cash flow plays, right? Right. So there's not a lot of equity, but they're they're getting that residual income from it. So I'm I go at it from a little bit different perspective because I I think that it's easier to turn net worth into cash flow if you have the net worth. Absolutely. I live and breathe that that play, right? The the building the net worth. So I'm really happy that you mentioned that. Uh, because you're not taxed on creating net worth, guys. You're only taxed on your income, right? So if you can add three hundred or five hundred thousand dollars worth of wealth created via equity plays and appreciation and other things like that, 
you don't pay a dollar of tax on that. But if you go and increase your annual income from, you know, 80 to 100 grand to 300 grand or to 500 grand, that just means you're going to pay three to five times the amount of taxes by increasing. So I love that you mentioned that, Aaron. I absolutely love that. The wealth and, you know, play is my favorite play. Well, then, then we'll probably end up talking about that a little bit <laughs> because I, I think that depending on where you are in your life, it's a different play, right? So if you're a young guy, um, building, a, building a, a portfolio that pays you $30,000 a year or $50,000 a year is awesome. But if that's all you're going to get from that for 20 years, it's not necessarily putting you in the place to be where the person that you want to be 20 years from now. Right. So for me, as a, a younger person should be should be focusing mostly on appreciation so that they can turn two or three or five million dollars into cash flow when they actually need it. Because if you have a job or you are hustling and you've got the money coming in, you don't necessarily need that cash flow. So a lot of people have different perspectives. That's kind of my perspective on that. Man, I absolutely love it. Tell me a little bit about the 27 doors. Is it mostly multis? Do you have some singles? No, I've got, it's, uh, I think I have full 15 or 16 single family houses. Nice. And then I've got one, two, three, four, five, six duplexes. I've got a triplex and I just went into escrow yesterday on an eightplex in, Hell yeah. in, in the Central Valley. So nice. it'll be my first first like commercial play other than some, some syndications and some other stuff that I've done. So I'm super excited about that, man. That's super exciting. <laughs> I love the multi, the, like the bigger multis. I've actually did a Burr method flip, which sounds so strange, but I bought a 10 unit and I slowly renovated every unit and raised the rents and cycled tenants in and out. And it was about a, almost a two year play. Uh, but we bought it using the Burr method. And sometimes you can get really good relationships with your banks and your lenders where you don't have to do the refi before the, I'm sorry, the rehab before the refi, you can actually refi first and then do your refi, your rehab later. Right. But uh, man, I really regretted selling that thing because the, the multis are just so easy to have 10 tenants in one building or eight tenants in one building. And I'm actually going to be making an offer on like a 30 or 40 unit here in the next uh, week or two. So I'm really pumped about that, but man, I love that. Congrats. Eight units. That's awesome. Yeah, that'll be good. So that'll be a nice little addition to the portfolio. Hell yeah. I love it, man. So let's, let, let's uh, pivot real quick before we jump back into the, the wealth building, you know, mindset and play that we both, you know, love and are so passionate about. And let's talk a little bit about the marketing. So when you, you do the majority of your business, you know, on the retail side, but yet you're still doing the fix and flips and you're buying rentals. And it's really, in my opinion, it's really rare that you have agents that are really crushing, crushing it being an agent, but also are on the investor side. So I think I have a couple questions. One, were you an investor first or an agent first? I, you know, when I got into real estate, I was an agent first and sure. then now I'm an investor first. So when someone okay. asks what I do, I'm an investor and I have a real estate team Love because it. I want to, I want to have that conversation and just see where that, if, if there is an opportunity and how that opportunity presents itself. Well, you are what you tell yourself too, right? So if you so true. don't believe that you're not an investor, you're going to constantly 
get a lead and then be like, let me help you list this thing. When in reality, you're better off being like, let me buy it from you. Right. So, you know, and it's funny because there's, there's a story behind that too, because what you said is so true. And so many real estate agents and myself included, you know, that have like a servant's heart. They want to make sure that they're taking care of their people. And I was talking to this guy named Matt Aitchison, who is a, a guy in Northern California, and he had a really strong real estate team, but he was also doing fix and flips. And so I was like, dude, how do you do it? And he goes, I don't let my preconceived notions about what's best for them be their reality. And so he gave me this dialogue that he uses when he's sitting down with someone that, you know, and, and the situation has to be right, but I use it in a lot of situations where someone died, the house is run down, you know, all the things that would make it a good fix and flip or a good long-term buy and hold. And he said, you know what? I'm an investor. I have some friends that are investors. Would you be interested in an all cash offer that closed in two weeks and just made this thing go away? Go it, away. Would be, it would be under market, um, but it would be fair. I mean, it's an investor or an investor or myself. So there would, we would need to make profit on it. But would you be interested in a fair cash offer that closes in 14 days? And he said, and then you just shut up and you just let them tell you if they're interested. And you'll get some people that are like, no, no, dude, I want to put this thing on the market. And then, but if they say, well, how much? Then you go, okay. And then you go through, and I'm, I'm a big believer in being super fair with everybody. So I'll go find properties that have been flipped and see what they were purchased for. Oh, nice. And then just bring them that information. That's a good say, approach. You know what? Yeah. I pulled these last three houses that, that got sold retail. This is what they paid for them. I'd be more than happy to pay you that because that's, that's where the market says that it is. And you bring in that third party um, validation of this is where the market is for a home like yours that's going to be sold in rehab. And I don't think I've ever had it. Maybe one or two people have pushed back. They usually go, okay, that's fair. And then, and you get it. And, and really that's the way to get some amazing deals because what happens is, is that, especially in a market like we're in today where it's appreciating so fast, when you take them that number that was maybe three months or six months ago, and they take that, you have three to six months worth of appreciation built into your profit margin already. Plus the rehab time. Isn't and that crazy that how like oh. only three to six months of appreciation like is oh. something? It's, it's not just something like in the last three to six months, it's been like 5%. I mean, it's crazy. It is crazy. We have in my market right now, and I'm in Modesto, so I'm about an hour east of San Francisco and an hour south of Sacramento. Oh, wow, yeah, so you are right in the Central Valley. Okay. So we, um, our market right now has five percent appreciation built into the pendings right now. It's what? ridiculous. Well, we're getting the Bay Area starting to move out because of work from home. So we're an hour and forty-five minutes from San Jose, and and as these. The, the work from home and all that stuff is starting to gain traction. We're getting the Bay Area move out here. So we've got not only the in, influx of our buyers, but we're starting to get the Bay Area buyers. So it's stupid right now. It's crazy. Yeah, you got a, Modesto's, a, I'm looking online right now. It looks like you got a population of about 215,000 out there. In Modesto. So we in Modesto, serve that's about, a good, that's a good size. Yeah. Oh, it's a good market. And there's a lot of little towns. So we've got a fairly big footprint. So we serve probably a million people in our, in our market. I love it. Guys, I want you to definitely take a second and take this in. So Aaron just spit a, a, a massive gold nugget, right? So 
what he is doing is he is reframing the offer, right? So instead of sitting down at the table with the seller and saying, well, here's, you know, what the market is paying and here's, you know, or was willing to pay or what something's worth. And then here's what I'm paying. Right. And by doing that, you're approaching it. Like it's me, it's, it's, it's me, Mr. Investor versus you, Mr. Seller, but he's not doing that. Instead, he's reframing this to say, Hey, it's me and you, Mr. Seller versus the market. So the market is saying it's worth this, but also what people are buying these unrehabbed houses for is this. So you can kind of change the whole dynamic and, and basically take all the pressure off of you trying to sell somebody. Instead, you're really just educating them, right? And you're saying, this is really me and you versus the market, not me versus you. So Aaron, I love that. I teach that to all my people as well. Um, such a great strategy to justify your offer as being fair. I think that's the best way for me to describe it is, you know, I tell the sellers, my offer is going to be low. If it wasn't, I wouldn't make money. Right. But my goal here today isn't to get you to accept a low offer. It's to justify my offer as being low, but really more than that being fair. Right. Cause an investor yes. can't pay retail. I mean, it's just, you can't make money that way. So Aaron, love that. Thank you. Yep. Yes. So anytime you can bring in any kind of third party validation, I never say I'll offer you this because of X, Y, and Z. I always try and find some kind of third party, third baseman, market, whatever, whatever I can to be able to, when I, when I make that offer, give some kind of justification. Because the reality is, is that everybody wants to help. Everybody wants to make it happen. They just need a reason to. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to think creatively and come up with a way to present an offer to them to where there's a reason for them to accept it, or even more importantly, a reason for them to justify accepting that offer, then there's no battle. Then it's just all a matter of just ironing out, fine tuning the details. And it's not like, oh, I want 70,000 more because you brought in that third party that validates everything that you're saying. Love it. Love it. I love it. Have you ever heard of the, uh, so we have a, a little spreadsheet that we use. We print it out and bring it and we call it a seller's net sheet. And I'm sure there's lots of different names for it, but basically we compare, you know, them listing it as is them doing a light rehab and listing it, doing a heavy rehab and listing it. And then of course them selling it without an agent directly to me, right. Or to mm -hmm. you or to whoever else. And it's a great way to justify because really that sheet um, not only includes added cost, depending on which they choose, but it also includes added time. And sometimes time is more important or more valuable to the seller than they're, what they're going to walk with, right? The cost. So it's all about finding their pain point. It's all yes. about finding their pain point. Once you find their pain point, then everything can be, everything can be directed around that and how to solve their pain. And once you, if you're able to do that, then the odds of your success just go like, yeah, so, so it's, that's, that is what, what you said is awesome as well. Just coming in with a bunch of different data points, but really just trying to get, gather as much information to figure out where their pain point is. Love it. Okay. Question two. When you are doing your marketing, 
Are you breaking it up into brokerage specific marketing as well as investor specific marketing? Are you doing one or the other? Or are you merging those together to do something along the lines of if we can't sell it, we'll buy it? So we're, we're kind of, we're morphing right now because the market is so competitive, sure. right? It's so, so competitive right now. So, so we're trying to get creative on where we can find listing leads. So I actually just partnered with a local flipper that literally has a thousand leads of people that have reached out to him over the last 18 months and Man, that's asked such a about great buying. strategy. And so what he's doing, and actually it's supposed to happen in the next day or two, he's sending us every one of those leads via, you know, follow-up boss, which is where he keeps all of them. And so my listing agent, myself, we're going to start off with a max, a mass text that just says, Hey, if you were able to get your number for selling your home, would you still be interested in selling? And seeing where we get from that, and then we're just going to go deep diving into to everything. So the, the other place that we're doing is mailings. We went in and we found all of the areas that have higher than a 6% turnover rate. And we're doing a letter to all of them that just, it's, it's handwritten, um, that the front is handwritten. It's actually signed with the person. We don't put our return address label on it or anything, but everybody opens those. And we just say, hey, we've got a couple of buyers who are looking to buy in your area. Would you be interested in selling? And then we're taking that feedback. And depending on who it is that raises their hand, we'll go in as an investor first and then make those judgments as to do we go to a hybrid? We have a kind of a hybrid model where we um, Eric Hatch does this as well, where we promise them X amount of dollars. And then we say the buyer is going to pay all the fees. So we put it on the market. We market it to investors. They're guaranteed X. We can charge whatever commission we want because the buyer is paying for it. And then when the market responds to it, they get their number. We get our compensation. And then they get that spread. Or we go to the just the full traditional retail model where we do everything that we're supposed to do and put it on the market and try and get it sold. I love it. So ever evolving though. Like that's really the takeaway, right? Like you got to try new things and test new things. So the fact that you guys are, you know, kind of evolving and it, it, it's something that is natural to do, especially in an ever changing market. I love that. So well, lots of different types of marketing. Who's writing the letters? Are you guys using like a third party company that has machines or is it actually a handwritten? It is actually a handwritten. I, I, wow. I, I've seen all of the ones that are like handwritten and you can still tell. I mean, I get oh, it yeah. in the mail yeah. and you're like, oh, that looks handwritten. And then you look at it and you go, that's not handwritten. So we're actually like, it looks really know, cool, but it, it looks yeah. really cool, but it's, <laughs> it's not going to drive the same as when someone actually handwrites it. So we've right. got my, my COO's mom is writing them. My listing agent's girlfriend is writing them. They're just, we're giving them 500 at a pop and they're just knocking them out. And then we're trying to mail out 500 a week. Man, I love it. I love it. This is awesome. Guys, Aaron knows his stuff. He is in all aspects of real estate investing. And it all starts with marketing, guys. That is the name of the game. Learning how to get your phone to ring or to find the people that are interested in selling, that are motivated, and get their number and ring their phone. I tell this to all my students, right, Aaron? The... The marketing efforts, really the end result is to get somebody on the phone, no matter what method, 
right? If you're doing direct That's mail, it. if you're doing AdWords, if you're doing social media marketing, if you're doing, you know, cold calling, cold SMS, bandit signs, billboards, radio, television, we could go on and on and on and on and on. The end result is to always get somebody on the phone, right? You know, without, without marketing, something, something, something horrible happens and that's nothing, nothing. right? Nothing. So you have to be changing. You have to just like problem solve and say, where is their opportunity? Because in every challenging market, there's huge opportunity. So in a market like this, where the listings are really tight, it's like, how do we find the opportunity? Most people look at it the exact opposite. They're like, oh my God, it's so hard. I'm struggling so hard. I can't get listings. I can't get my buyers into escrow. And instead of just go, wait a minute, anytime there's a challenge, there's opportunity. Where is it? And how do we take advantage of it? And if you just flip your mindset a little bit like that, then all of a sudden, again, it goes back to that thinking creatively. You start listening to other people and you start tweaking stuff and then someone says something you're like dude that's genius so one of the other things we're doing that we just started doing is we have about 800 people in our database for our clients right that's a big part of our business is just past sphere and referral and that kind of stuff so we are printing up a google map online with all of our clients on the google map and what's the biggest issue people have right now is listings right so when my, when my guys are out showing houses, anytime they're showing a house within like a five block radius of any of my clients, they're going to call that client and say, Hey, we're in the area. We were just showing the house. My clients didn't like it, but you know, I was talking to Aaron about it. He said to give you a call. Do you know anybody that's thinking about selling? Because my clients loved this area and they're, there's just, we're looking to see if you know anybody who's looking to sell. Right. And, and it gives you a reason to contact the people. It gives you a reason to, con- that's the most important part right there. And it's, it's an easy contact and it puts in their mind, who do I know that might be willing to sell? And if you do that enough times, you're going to have someone go, oh, my neighbor next door was just talking about it last week. Or I'm but, ready. Come over now. Or I'm ready. Hopefully it's like, it's I got buyers with me. They're my actually. clients, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's exactly wow. right. That's so such that's, a... That's such a great tip. So you you put all those like on a map, essentially, you plot them on a map. And then depending on where you're going to, to look for a listing or it's to show a, buyers live, or whatever, you're, you're going to call the people around there as well. I love that. It's a live Google map. So it's just like if you're in this part of town, you just pop it up and it says these are the people that are around. So we've got their name and their phone number in the map. And then they just call and then they log the call. So we know when was the last time we contacted them and you know, things start to happen. Aaron, I'm going to share my screen for 30 seconds with you real quick. So this is just a map of all the flips that we've done here locally in town. Can you see my screen? Yep. And uh, so it's similar to to what what we have here, but you're putting actual prospects on that map. I love that. Absolutely love that. I think that's really, really, really cool. We've done about 600 flips and that map only has about 400 of it on there. So we got about 200 to add to it, but uh, I wanted to make a case study for each of these and have a video for each of these. We'll get to that down the road, but uh, love your strategy, man. That's awesome. Yes. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're doing for marketing. And, and I mean, there's a lot of other stuff we're doing too, but that's kind of where our focus is right now. It's all about listings. It's all about trying to create 
market share and create opportunity because the more listings you have in this market, business begets business. Um, another thing that we're doing is with every listing or every buyer that we take, our guys are starting to post on, we just actually talked about this last week. So this is a new thing, but they're posting four or five times with each house that they're, you know, when they get the offer accepted or when we meet with them and sign the listing and then when it goes pending. So we're getting five or six posts out of each sale so that it looks like we're doing, I mean, we are doing a lot of business, but we no, no, every little thing, 400 helps. houses a year instead of 200 houses a year. Right. So yeah. again, it's that marketing, the more, because anytime you post on social media, at most it's 30% of the people see it. Yeah, so if you're so you posting every single day, for sure. they're not, they're not seeing you every single day. So you can be pretty proactive and not have it turn into white noise. Yes, I absolutely love that. So I'm looking at the average home values, Modesto's 353, St. Louis, where I live, 147. So having the higher value homes in the market uh, leads to bigger profits, bigger commissions, so on and so forth. So I am a little jealous that uh, you have a well, more expensive I, market. I, I've actually gotten to be buddies with this agent named Andy C in uh, Burlingame and TSE. And he'll do a billion dollars worth of business with like 200. I mean, it's with like 200 homes. His average sales price is like $3 million. So it's all relative due. I have, I have home envy just like, <laughs> just like everybody. Does. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Right. So I love so it. Well, Aaron, let's, uh, let's circle back to the, you know, wealth building. I think that that's probably, you know, I, I, we, we share a lot of similar things. Like we're both, uh, landlords. We're both like, you know, do fix and flips. You probably do double the amount of fix and flips that I do. Uh, but I do tons of wholesaling. And, um, so we share a lot of these things. And I think the thing that we're probably the most aligned with is the wealth building aspect of real estate. Right. So I guess what would be some of your favorite points on the wealth building. I and mean, there's so many things that we could talk about, right? Like I think my, my favorite thing with real estate investing are the two favorites is one leverage and two, the depreciation. Love those two things. Yeah. And I'm, I'm more of a, a mindset and um, principles kind of guy when it comes to building wealth. So I'll give you my story just real quick. So Please. I was one of those guys that out earned his spending for his entire life, right? When my, in my previous career, before I got into real estate, I started out making $22,000 a year. When I quit making $125,000 a year being super successful, I was as broke at A as I was at B, right? <laughs> I just, I got to raise every six months for 10 years and my lifestyle increased every six months by 10 years, which and I think is, that's not abnormal. That's very, that's normal. not, no, I think that's the majority of the world out there. Right. So, right. um, I, I started to wonder why I wasn't comfortable with money and, and it was, I mean, it was a, it was a year, a solid year of me trying to figure out what the problem was. And I was talking to one of my mentors one time, and this is one of those life moments that really just changes your trajectory. And I was telling him my problem. I'm like, I don't understand why I can't keep money. And he looked at me and he asked me one question. He said, what was your dad's relationship with money? And it was like getting punched in the stomach because I had never thought about the fact that my my financial disciplines were just repeating my dad's and my grandfather's for that matter. They were great people that everybody loved, made good money, but were broke all of the time because they weren't comfortable with money. 
So what I had to do is I had to start putting some disciplines in place to be able to start building wealth. And, and, you know, I've been fortunate to where I have wealth now. There's a difference between being rich and being wealthy, right? I think rich is an a-hole thing. Wealth is something that you're comfortable with and that you build to, to, uh, to give you the lifestyle that you want to have. It's so, hard to become wealthy without, focus, without being focused on wealth. Right. It's, it's impossible. You can get rich overnight, but the thing about riches is it comes just as fast as it goes. Right. Because if you haven't changed your disciplines and your perspective, it's why like 98% of people who win the lottery are broke within three years because they're comfortable at a certain way. So what I started to do is I had to put disciplines in place. So most people have a savings account, right? Which is really just an emergency fund for when the tires go bad. It's if when the tires go bad, you're like, oh, I've got $2,000 in my savings account. You go grab it and you're back to zero. So I knew that wasn't going to work for me because I'd done that before. And so what I did is I opened a new account and I, I named it Not My Money. Really? So that was the name I of like the account. this approach. In my bank account, it said Not My Money. <laughs> I would take every commission, every, every time I made money, I would put a piece of that into my not my money account. And I made the commitment that I wouldn't pay my house payment before I touched that money, because that's not my money. That's the money that Aaron West is going to need when he retires. Right. Mm. So instead of taking ownership of the money, which is the problem that most people have as soon as they get a check or as soon as they flip a property and they're like, I have $30,000. They say, I have $30,000. They've taken ownership of the money instead of taking stewardship of the money. And the difference is like, if you retire, oh, am I, did I lose you? Are you still there? No, we're here. I'm here. So so let's say, let's say you pass away or not you pass away. One of your buddies passes away and he's wealthy. He's worth a million dollars, let's say, you know, and he gives 500,000 to the two kids. They've taken ownership of that 500,000 and they're going to go spend it like it's their money right? If he dies and he gives you that million dollars and he said, I want you to manage this million dollars for my kids. You now have stewardship of that money. You're going to make very different decisions than those kids are going to make. Totally, so, totally different. 100%, right? Like You're different look at that opposite universes. It, yeah. But that's what we have to learn how to do to build wealth is we have to separate our personal life and our personal spending from having that stewardship of the money that we're using to build wealth, right? Right. And as soon as you're able to make that separation, now all of a sudden it becomes a game, which Mm. is where the magic really starts to happen. Then you can start building up your monopoly pieces. You start building up your monopoly pieces. So you take, and, and then the other piece of advice that I think a lot of people just miss, and I actually posted on my, my, my IG account the other day, Gary V said that um, most people want fast, but life is long, right? So what that means is that most people want to take $10,000 and be a millionaire, but that's not how wealth is built. But one of the other pieces of advice that I got that is just changed my whole perspective of everything was I was, I was talking to a guy who was very wealthy. And he was like, Aaron, the way you get rich is base hits. He says, everybody wants to step up to the plate and swing for a home run. But the guy that makes the most money 
that's in the big leagues forever and just is he's swinging for base hits. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and the guys that go up and the Mark McGuire's and you know, those guys, they have a good, a good run by all means. But there's such an anomaly as well. Not only is it an anomaly, but it's short lived. Yeah. It's very short lived. So, so I've always been of the mindset. If I have $10,000 and I can make, a thousand dollars in six months people are like oh what's the point it's a thousand dollars or even a hundred dollars in six months so what it's, it's free money it's that you didn't have hit. to trade it's, time for exactly that's the, right. that's the whole thing right there is you know whenever you go get a job or have a job you're essentially trading time for money like it or not even if you're if you're on commissions average it out at the end of the year well how much money did you make for every minute of time that you spent and that's the coolest part. So I don't want to get too deep into this, Aaron, but I'm sure you're very, very well aware of this. But I really kind of like preaching this. Let me look this up. How many pages in the U.S. tax code? I don't know if Google's going to give me that result or not. So it's like 3,000. How many? 70,000. 70,000. 70,000 in uh, the federal tax code, right? And, and only about 15 of those pages tell you, yep. you know, how much you get to pay, when you need to pay it and how. The other 69,995 pages are ways to prevent paying, avoid paying completely, or to transfer that, you know, debt or that payment, I should say, um, into something, you know, down the road or some other type of uh, vehicle, right? It, it's just so crazy. So there's five different buckets of income, according to the IRS. And it just so happens that the one that you trade time for is the highest tax. And I know why. Do you know why? Of course I know why, because that's where everybody is. <laughs> <laughs> that's why, exactly. But really, the, 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 the real reason is because rich people are the ones that write the laws, Right. It's very rare that you see somebody working at a fast food restaurant this month and they're a senator next month, right? Rich people are the ones that are writing the laws. And of course, they're going to want to put in these loopholes and these advantages to benefit themselves and their friends, right? So when you can get start making, having your money make you money, most people see that as, wow, that's really cool. Like I'm making money without trading time. Well, that is very, very cool. But what's even cooler than that is you get to keep more of that, right? You're, you're taxed at a lower rate on the passive income than you are on the earned income. It's just, it just blows my mind how, you know, how this works. And if you want to add in the compounding effect to that, you know, it's even crazier because you're keeping more of it, you know? So just, just blows me away. But the whole wealth side of real estate is really my passion it's why I love doing real estate. Yeah, flipping a house, making 50 grand is great. By all means, you know, love that as well. But the coolest thing is adding three, four hundred thousand dollars worth of worth of wealth to your to your balance sheet, right? And not having to go pay an extra hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of tax. Love that. And you know, I I mean, I don't know the audience. I, I mean, I don't know who you are, audience, but I guarantee that a lot of people are listening to us and going, dude, that just can't be me. That I mean, that's that's for someone else. And and that is total crap. It is because the reality is thank you is for saying that. that. 
you have the ability to be wealthy. You could be a millionaire in two years. And I mean that with 100% sincerity because I've seen it happen over and over and over again. It's all about putting the disciplines in place. It's all about changing your mindset and surrounding yourself with people who are comfortable having the money conversation. Um, the only other thing that I think is really important um, on this whole wealth building thing, and I'll, I'll keep it kind of high level, but you have to know your net worth. It doesn't matter if yeah. it's negative 50,000 or if it's 5,000 or if it's 100,000 or if it's $5 million. It's your scorecard. It's how you, it, it, it's not who you are. It's the result of the decisions you've made to get to this point, right? So once you know what your net worth is, you now can actually start quantifying your decisions. If your net worth is going up, that means you're living within your means and you're saving money or investing money. You're making good worth, decisions, right? You're making good decisions. If your net worth is staying the same, then that means that you're just living the same life you've always lived. And that's the definition of insanity, right? Or is that insanity? Is that the definition of doing yeah, basically, over and over and right. expecting a different result? <laughs> a different result, right. And then if you're, if, you're, if you're going in the negative direction, then you need to figure out what it is inside of you and why those patterns are being recreated so that you can start breaking them. Because I mean, it wasn't until someone said something to me that was like, what is your dad's relationship with money? And it may not be your parents' yeah, relationship Blindsided, with money. you're like, something Whoa. else. But until you can start breaking those patterns or at least recognizing them, then that building wealth is just always going to elude you. But I can tell you, most people overestimate what they can do in a year and vastly underestimate what they can do in five. So I know totally agree with that. Totally agree. You had said earlier that, you know, going from zero to a, to a million dollar net worth is, is, is easily or not easily done. It's, it's, it's possible to do that in two years. And you had said that you have seen people do it. I've seen people do it. Multiple people do it. Right. Um, so yeah, you just got to put in the effort, you, you know, you are and, entitled to the work, right. But if you put in the work, you're going to get the result. And that's, that's, you know, religion, karma, universe, whatever it is, it is a law. If you put the effort in, you will reap the reward. I mean, it's just the harder you, you work, the luckier you, you get, get, right? Absolutely. The harder you work, the luckier you get. And when you start tracking your net worth and you start telling your subconscious brain that it's important, because up until this point, your brain doesn't know that it's important to you because you've never told it. So as soon as you start focusing on this and you start saying, I want to be worth a million dollars, your subconscious starts hearing opportunities that have always been there. Always been there, but, but you now start recognizing been them. there, but you just never knew that it was important. I mean, yes. I can't tell you how many times I've written something down as a goal. And within like two weeks, somebody says something and I'm like, like what? What? Weird. That come but from? putting it out but into the universe been... is the first step though. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think that that's, that's something that a lot of people miss is, you know, it's the habits, atomic habits, the book, atomic habits, the best love book, that book ever written it's a for finances. Book. It is a great book. The best book ever written for finances is, um, uh, the richest man in Babylon. Love that book. Love that book. It's, if you live by those principles, you will be wealthy. Principles don't change, tactics do. Right? Tactics do, right. So 
it's I mean, being wealthy is achievable for everybody. You just have to change your 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 mindset, surround yourself with people who are comfortable talking with it and then be willing to put in the work. And it's it's easy. Man, you nailed it. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on today. I am so incredibly grateful. Uh, Before we, ooh, I'm going to break my piggy bank. Before we wrap up today, um, I do want to talk a little bit about these Ironmans. Like, I am truly impressed. (laughs) I I knew you were a badass, man, but I didn't know you were like a ninja warrior, man. Holy cow. So have you done any of these recently? You know, not since, not since COVID hit. I did one in, um, I was supposed to do one beginning of last year in Oceanside. But that's still recent. I was April. thinking like last 10 years, right? Like, oh, no, no, no. I've been doing them for, for a long, I've been doing them for a long time. And 20 so half Ironmans? Holy cow, man. You are an yeah. animal. That just means <laughs> I'm not smart enough to stop. <laughs> that's all, I love that's it. That's all that means. But, you know, it's like the disciplines that you get from doing these kinds of things is it it plays out in all the other areas of your life. And, you know, you 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 get a mental discipline from training all the time and from doing these events. And everybody's like, oh, my God, you did an Ironman. But the reality is, is you could I mean, even you, David Dodge, could do an Ironman in six months if you just put your mind to it, because to it. If you tell your body that's what you want to do, that's what you'll do. But yeah, I've had some amazing experiences, done events with amazing people. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, I wouldn't say it's fun, but it's fun. It is fun. I think it's so (laughs) fun. Yeah. Impressive is one thing, but it's super fun too, man. That's really cool. I love it. it. It is. So, yeah. So that's, that's been a big, big part of my life for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, now I'm doing since since there aren't any races, I've been just trying to get fitter and put on some some muscle because everything you do in Ironman is endurance. And so I'm just uh, lifting weights and waiting for everything to open up as far as races and all that kind of stuff. And then we'll see what happens, man. I love it. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on, guys. Go follow Aaron on Instagram. Aaron1656 is his handle. You have so much to learn from Aaron. He has constantly been teaching me things since I've known him. And uh, again, I'm just so grateful to have you on the show today, Aaron. Any, any parting words for the audience? You know, I, I think that, yeah, I, I got one for you. It's about your friends, right? And this is something that uh, I can't remember how it came up, but you've got your five-minute friends. And those are the people that after five minutes, you're like, dude, I love you, but nothing good is going to happen. Mm. If we got a lot together, of friends right? like that, not, not a, a lot, lot but you know, yeah, like you, you have a lot of and people then, that in your, are in your life like that. Right. And, and then you've got your one hour friends. You've got your dinner friends. Those are the people you go out to dinner with. But after dinner, you're like, that was really nice, but I don't need to see them again for another six months. <laughs> then you've got your weekend friends. Yeah, which are the fill. people you go spend the weekend with and there when you're done you're like that was awesome and then you've got your vacation friends and those are the people that you go for a week on vacation everybody has an amazing time and when you're done everybody gets their phones out and say when are we going to do this again when are we doing it again and and that applies to your whole life it applies to your finances who are you surrounding yourself mm. with financially and what kind of friends are they? It's in your relationships. It's in your family. It's in your business. It's in everywhere. How many five-minute friends do you have? And if it's too many, you need to start being intentional about finding those 
those dinner friends and those weekend friends and those vacation friends, because those are the people that will change your life. And so, man, it, it applies everywhere. I couldn't have said that better. My, you nailed that, right? Sometimes the circles you're in, guys, or might be what's holding you back. So take Not a step back. Sometimes. Always, always, always. No, that's absolutely right. And thank you for correcting me. It's always that, right? So take a look at, you know, who you're spending time with. And we're not here to say, stop spending time with, you know, with your friends by all means, but there's certain people in your life that aren't helping advance you and they're holding you back. And it's in most of it's the mindset side of things. So Aaron, you are the man. Thank you so much for coming on today. Again, I am incredibly grateful to have you on the show. I know our viewers and our listeners are going to learn a ton and uh, we'll have to bring you back on the show soon. Anytime, brother. Love it. All right, guys, signing off. Don't forget to check out discountpropertyinvestor.com. We got tons of free courses over there for you guys to learn all things marketing and wholesaling. We also just added a free ebook. And you can get that again on discountpropertyinvestor.com. The ebook is called The Three Pillars to Wholesaling Real Estate. We actually sell it on Amazon for about 10 bucks, but head on over to that website and claim your free download right away. Until next time, signing off. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.